0: Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. I'm Robert Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And uh, we are Ember Weekend, and we're here again with our part D of our RFC roundup. This time we're going to focus on kind of uh, what we discussed at the very end of last episode, the Octane Edition RFC slash issue, uh, issue ticket. And we're going to be going through a number of RFCs just to... Kind of go into them in a little bit more d- uh, depth with Robert here to help guide us through some of the inner workings uh, after he did his face to face a week and some change ago. So, uh, how was that sports ball game, Rob? Yeah, it was great. It was great. You know. Yeah, wow. who won? Was it your sports team?
1: Mm-hmm. No, it was your sports team.
0: Oh, it was my sports team. You know, yeah. I, I, I I thought so. I thought so. Chase, yeah. do you have any do you have any uh, any any current events that happened in this last week?
2: No, we're clearly more tickled by this. Yeah, than I mean, else I suggested it. Now I just can't think of anything. Like, <laughs> I don't watch sports, so I didn't catch it's the sports ball game. It's a good bit.
0: Just go with it, you know. Just you know, yes and. That's all. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. We're gonna jump in and start off with our octane issues right now. Go for it which issue you want to you want to hit first all right uh, we're going to we're going
1: to talk about jquery
0: by default yay this is one that actually i think we may have mentioned in passing in a previous uh, roundup um, but very quickly so one thing you'll
1: notice is that there are this is the second installment of uh, jquery oh, rfcs okay that? tell me more so so the, i think the the first one we talked about was talking about making jquery optional to begin with like just making it possible to run without jQuery. And at that point, it's still opt-out. So you still get jQuery by default. Um, This is the current status as of right this second today. Um, You get jQuery by default, but if you want to opt-out, you can install at ember slash optional features, and then you run a command that is ember feature colon disable jQuery integration. Done. That's it. That's all you got to do. So the next logical step is, okay, well, instead of making it opt-out, let's make it opt-in. So that's what this RFC does, basically. The idea is that it, like when you generate a new app by default, like in the in the Octane Blueprint, it just will already uh, have included optional features and opted out of jQuery integration. So that means specifically that things like the this.dollar in a component or ember.dollar uh, on the global or dollar in the integration tests, uh, like the, the testing system, either module-for-component or setup-rendering test, those will all issue deprecations and eventually will be removed. If jQuery isn't present, they'll just give you an error because what are we going to We can't deprecate it and support old behavior. But but if you didn't do anything and you're in an old app, like a classic app today, and you upgrade, you'll get deprecations for them. It also proposes moving the functionality to support things like jQuery based event dispatch and whatnot into the at ember slash jQuery package. Right. Now, that package was introduced by the first RFC, but in the, at that point, it just provided the enable disable ability and loaded jQuery itself like the actual global your vendor JS file. So now it's going to have more and more features, and so we're going to try to move as much of this, fe- like fundamental features, like this.dollar or dollar into that add-on, and that's the basic gist, right? Through ember3.x, you'll still get jQuery installed by default, but once we hit 4, uh, with a deprecation, and once we hit 4, uh, that's when we remove it. Now, because additions aren't considered, the- using different blueprints isn't really about the Sumber constraint, the Octane edition will just have this feature enabled by default. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you just like ah, great. You make a new application once Octane is out. Um, you just won't get you won't get jQuery. That doesn't mean we don't support it. It doesn't mean there's no change to our server compatibility here. It's just by default the new app won't have it.
0: Does that mean that the jQuery package, the add Ember slash jQuery package, needs to implement all the things in this RFC before the Octane edition can add? Ha- all of these are going to be necessary to be completed before the octane edition is released is that exactly exactly
1: yep and that's what the octane tracking issue uh in ember itself ember jess issue number 17234 that's what that's all about tracking all of these
0: different pieces and parts okay Um, right
1: it is a lot of like is a lot of sort of project management to do to to keep track of all the stuff but
0: yeah that that's the idea yeah, well, we linked to that last week. Let's let's make sure we link to that again. I feel like this will come up again as like, hey, if you want to know more about this detail, like what the progress is of all these individual steps, you'll have to look at that issue, right? Yep, yep,
2: exactly. Hmm. Yeah, and as you mentioned this, I realized that uh, the the additions sound like a really good way to like keep everybody in the core team kind of on the same page about this is what we kind of promised to deliver because you can kind of declare up front that the addition is going to be this and it's going to, it's going to include these things. And if you miss the target for one, it's like, you know you know that it was planned to be there and it it missed the target or something so yeah it's pretty nice. yeah exactly and in in
1: we are totally not in the case uh, i hope i am never in this uh in that space again where you're promising both a feature set and a deadline date I hope I'm never in that uh, that boat again ever in my life. This is not in that boat. This is a set of features, when they're done, that's when the addition is. Of course, we want to be done at a certain time, mm. but if we have to pull a feature or move the date, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't need to, uh, we don't need uh, you know 23-hour workdays uh, trying to hit, the, hit sure. the dates just to have mistakes <laughs> or bugs or whatever. We're not in a rush. Right. We're going to get this done right. We're going to do it well. And uh, we'll all be happier for it
0: which all makes sense because it, it is like a it is a vision of what you would like for it to be at a, like a snapshot of that and you you can't really rush it you can't
1: Right. Like, exactly. This is a coherent mental model. Like a picture. Yeah, you of how couldn't you think prematurely
0: introduce yeah. some of it and not all of yeah. it because then yeah. it's a different thing.
1: Right. And, and, and I think I think you could you could argue that like you might realize that a given thing that was originally included just doesn't make sense in that in that bucket uh, or isn't like required for the bucket. I guess that's fine. I don't. Want to do that? I'm just saying. Like you can imagine, there's maybe there may be something that's listed in the original RFC that we decide is like eh, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, cares about I'm, that I'm a little.
0: I'm a little confused why this is an issue and not itself an RFC. The Octane Edition, uh, because RFC. all the things proposed in it were already
1: in an RFC and merged. So this is just tracking implementation of all the details.
0: Well, yeah, but the there there is a crystallization of what it means to be an Octane Edition that exists in this t- in in this ticket and nowhere else, right? Yes. Like, what are the features that... W- Basically, it's a mapping of feature flags yes. that are intended to represent the octane issue. Yeah, and some of them are like other pa- external packages, some of them, yeah. Mm.
1: But yeah, that's yeah. the idea. So, and, I'm and actually think,
0: a little confused as why well. that's an well, issue. Well, I think,
1: uh, so the idea uh, in general with RFCs is that the RFC itself will link to a meta issue like this. And so the oh, 2018 roadmap issue, the RFC, mm. should link... To this tracking issue. And when when one's done, then that RC is done. And then we close the issue. Okay. I see. That's like the relationship there.
0: Hmm. Okay. So the, the issue is more just meta information and the RFCs themselves are the yeah. core. No, yeah, yeah,
1: we have a team of folks, there's I don't know, five, six of us, something like that. That meet week we have a weekly meeting set just to talk about octane and progress and what we are doing is going through that meta issue, right? Like what's the status? Yeah. Where are we at? Are we gonna are we gonna hit this, this, this cycle? Are we gonna have to push it mm-hmm. to the next cycle? Like what do we what yeah. do, you know, all all of that stuff. And like I said, it's a lot of like project management, if you will.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. I I just I just was struck by that. I have a couple of other questions about the shape of this uh, this uh, issue as well, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we'll get into that uh, specifically around the decorator uh, RFC.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so jQuery, it's opt in. This is the second one, and the the takeaway is that you opt into jQuery, and it's going to have additional features. To get more jQuery-like behavior mm-hmm. from older Ember versions in a yep. jQuery package.
1: Yep, and and I wanna I wanna make it really clear here. I, this is not a thing where we think is evil or bad software or something. It's just a thing that Ember itself isn't coupled to jQuery anymore. It uh, doesn't need jQuery, and some Ember apps want to run without jQuery because they decided that it's really important for their you know uh, performance statistics or uh, specific metrics. So that that's great. And for us to support that, we have to be able to have jQuery off. And this is not a, like, indictment of jQuery and like, the end of the days it or whatever. really this just was,
0: a, like, yeah. a necessary, it, it was and is in many cases still a, a necessary, like, library to insulate you from browser incompatibilities. That's, yeah. I mean, I remember when jQuery wasn't around and it was not a very fun place. Yeah, and
1: I think the thing that I'm most worried about, and and we talked about this at the face-to-face, which is that I would hate for people to see this RFC and getting traction and moving forward, uh, or like a blog post where we say this is included in the current release or whatever, and think, oh, well, I guess the core team's saying jQuery's bad. I better go remove all my jQuery usage. And that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that some people don't want to use it it's easier to just start without it and add it if you need it than it is to just have it and happen to accidentally use it and you don't really think about it. And... It certainly isn't a scenario where we think you should be doing a bunch of busy work. If you're perfectly happy with your, perf- your app, performance, your performance, the way you write your code, don't worry about it. Just the, include the at Ember slash jQuery package and you're good to go. That's the point, right? Right. It's not like we're going to say Ember is going to someday, sometime, stop working with jQuery. Well, what does that even mean? jQuery is just like a DOM, it's like a dom library. Like it, like it's, it doesn't mean anything. Like Ember will always work with jQuery, just you may not get it by default.
0: That's that's a really good insight. I, I would I would hate for people to get that that negative impression as well because like there are many instances where jQuery is still a very good thing to use and have. Absolutely.
2: All right. The next thing we're going to talk about is rendering element modifiers. We talked about element modifiers before, and I really love uh, the idea of extracting this kind of stuff. But rendering element, mod- element modifiers are a little bit different. So, Rob, why don't you tell us about this? All right. So the the thing we talked about before was specifically
1: adding modifiers in general and that was RFC 353 and that's not landed yet like that would be that RFC was all about you adding your own modifiers to your own app in like you know apps yeah, modifiers space. or source ui component like that you write that you put in there that's that's mm-hmm. what that one's all about and in for those that that don't remember modifiers are like th- they're any Essentially, a helper that you can run in element space, and they get access to the element. They can essentially set things up, tear things down. Like if you have listener, like event listeners, or you want to set up or or manage some some external uh, DOM plugin that's going to do something like a, you know Tiny MCE or like so, something like that. Like that, that's a, a place where you would really want a a modifier. Um, where today you might have to use a component and use did insert element and will destroy element to do the pairwise thing. Uh, and these element these
0: element fire modifiers as they exist in Ember now are basically like action in like element space the only, the only one way, yeah. yeah the only one is is action
1: and if you go back a really long way you'll remember bind out by data Oh
0: yeah those were wow.
1: the Uh, That was before Ember 110. You know, I've totally forgotten. And Remember, uh, so when we talk about action, there's actually two forms of action, which is kind of confusing. Uh, One of the reasons I dislike action conceptually because it's just like too much an overloaded term. But there's, there's a kind of action you can just use in an element, like not assigning it to anything, not passing it to... A helper or a component invocation, but just in an element space. And then there's the one where you're assigning it a value, or it's like on click equals curly curly action, that kind of thing. The last one that I mentioned, that's a helper. Um, the one that's an element right. modifier is the one that's just just kind of loosey goosey in element space. That's a technical right. term, loosey goosey. And
0: and and you can kind of think of that as so actions have on click handlers, and they're saying hey, attach this on click handler to the
1: yeah yeah, but but in the, the element the, like that's yes. kind of what it's doing yes. anyways, right? Yes, but in yes, but in the Action case, uh, there is a global a single global event dispatcher that this adding one listener for like clicks right. at yes. the high level, right? So you're not adding an event listener for each individual element in that case. Sure. That's probably not a super important detail. <laughs> Sorry. So okay. So these element modifiers that we're talking about, rendering render element modifiers, are specifically element modifiers that you can use to execute functions when a given element is rendered or before it's destroyed. So If you think about this, it is exactly the same functionality that you currently get with an Ember component when you have did insert element and will destroy element. So, but instead of forcing you to make a component just to get those hooks when that element is created or torn down, you can throw this element modifier on there and have your function ran.
0: Does it does it have a file um, on disk, and if so, where would that live? So, so, di-
1: so the two being proposed in the RFC as it's written right now are "did render" and "will destroy." Those take a function. They aren't okay. in your app, right? These aren't you adding, these are just like modifiers that Ember ships with. Mm-hmm. And and they take a function and they run the function either when they're setting up an element or tearing it down depending on which one you use, right? That's the idea. So if you've if you've ever been in a situation where you have a digital element and it it takes the element or this dot dollar, either way, and tries to grab another child element. That's a pretty common thing to do. Um, and you set something up on it, and then your will destroy. Element, you try to clean it up. You've just written something that's probably buggy, uh, and the reason for that is that if you try to grab a child element from from your current component element, you don't know that that thing is going to be there when you destroy it. What if it's in an if? What if it's like I said, conditionally uh, shown? Um, so there's no actual guarantee that you're going to get to run your cleanup and teardown code. Right? Um, a lot of people don't think about that. And this is the same thing. that the same thing exists with Glimmer JS components. Um, where you get this bounds object and you just have first and last but you can grab items in it but you know if you had any listeners or you do anything special um, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to have a chance to clean it up That's what these element modifiers are all about where you can have a di- you can you can set up some co- code to run a function to run when a thing is set up Maybe it's just grab the element off the thing maybe it's like I ah, instead of having to query for the element I'll just like set it on my component instance that's totally fine. Um, right. may, you know, maybe it's setting up some event listener or setting up some, like, popper, like, like sure. the plain JavaScript plugin, like, all that. That's that's the idea. So,
0: is this going to supersede? Be- because I feel like this could be used in a similar way as the custom uh, element space element modifiers that we mentioned in the previous RFC, if you just attach the functions that you wanted to run on did insert element and, or, yeah, will destroy and did insert an element, I did, guess? Did render. Did render, uh, yeah, did did render. render. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. If you pass those functions in, wouldn't it do kind of the same thing? Probably yep. fewer hooks, but yep.
2: Okay. So, the so these are these is, are,
0: are these meant to be primitives and thought of as that? Yeah. And then exactly. the other one, you would you would utilize those in within from within. So so it's it's a different it's just a difference of perspective. So with the
1: modifiers that we talked before, the general case like this is just a modifier. Um, with those. Um, they're going to live in your, like, at, like today's today's apps will be app slash modifiers. In the future, it'll be, like, source UI components. They're going to live mm. in their own file. They're all standalone. Right. They're meant okay. to be, like, reusable bits. And you 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 could totally imagine, you know, having a bunch of different scenarios, but generally, they're, like, generic, reusable things, right? These did render and will destroy that we're talking about here are, for the component that I'm in right now, run this function on this element,
0: right? Well, so I can gonna just make a mix in and... I can nope. just make a mixin' nope. and use these nope. and, and then we have ah. the same thing. Nope. Like then I'm then I'm just controlling nope. it myself. Nope. Nope 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 nope. I'm just saying uh, they, they 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 seem to be very related concepts. Yes, um, they're definitely they, different use
1: cases but related concepts. They they are intended to be uh, composability primitives absolutely. Right. Yes. Um, that is excellent. That's and, a really good way to phrase that. And and you could totally have a reusable like one of these functions and store them on your instance or grab them other ways and and share the that code. And, and I do think I totally agree with you that it seems a little bit weird to have both of these things. Like, these are the same methods that the other modifiers would have. That's exactly what was brought up at the face-to-face as well. Like, what's kind of weird, it seems like you're just saying, I just want... The other modifiers thing, but I want it co-located in the component file. and that's, that's sure. kind of true, right? That's kind of true because I want the code that goes with this setup teardown because it's related to the component I'm right, in. I want that code to live in the component, right? So that just goes to show a little bit of a disconnect between the way we get things available in the template and and like where they actually live. It would be nice, like with the module module unification work that's being done.'d it be nice if you had like imports or you know, something like that, where you can just pull in your own modifiers, or your own functions, right, right there in your code.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess so, that's true. Yeah, that and, then, and then and then it better. would be, yeah. Uh, so um, when you invoke them, the rendering element modifiers, are you given access to the element as the first argument yep. to the exactly. function? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the element's the first uh,
1: thing, and if you think about tagless components today, you don't have a this element in tagless component. So how do you access an element if you need to do right. some DOM setup?
0: Yeah. And that was brought up in our in the other element of modifiers as well. It's like yeah. you you really you can't really rely on the bounds object to reliably do what you want to do exactly. in the way that you could with Ember.
1: Yep. Uh, Ember components. Precisely.
0: So I think the the idea here is that th- these are just gonna be
1: base level primitives that we can reuse in all sorts of things. Like uh, I have an add- called Sparkles Component that be, this will be really useful for. It's it's trying to be the same API as Glimmer Component from the GlimmerJS.com guides. And um, and in those, I think you know, John, like uh, you, you just don't have any DOM access and that's really kind of frustrating sometimes. And this this, this is the kind of way that, uh, that it's nice, it's composable, you can reuse the bits, but it gives you that access to the DOM, but you can get access to the specific parts you care about instead of like the root um, element. And and in, especially in the Glimmer component case, or the Sparkles component case, there is no root element, because it's like, it could be a fragment, it could be, it's like tag. Yeah, I, w-
0: I was, I think a lot of times I wasn't using your add-on, I was actually using Glimmer stuff, and I was using the bounds object to get the first element, yeah. which is sometimes what you want, but you're right, you have to be careful because you you don't have guarantees.
1: Well, what if there was an if in the root? Mm-hmm. And you can have yeah. different first elements and it changes, yeah, Exactly
2: it seems like it uh, it kind of locks you into not having a uh, template-only component. I was at first thinking that it'd be great for template-only components, but then like, what do you bind to did render? Um, so, well, you, don't,
1: you can pass it if, it if the thing you're passing is a generic function. right? If it's not about this, it doesn't have to be on this. You could. There's no reason we can't have template-only components from the context of there is no this exist with a JS file side-by-side. I know it seems bonkers because it's not template only anymore but it doesn't have a component backer yeah. um, that's the thing we mean and you can just have that have that have you know the functions that you're using
0: so so I could also write an initializer that assigns a function to a window and then I could just invoke that function directly in my component with this primitive is that is that true <sighs> <laughs> hey, if you do that you're fired the sigh oh my God the sigh all right don't do that hashtag don't do that these people but I could. <laughs> <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> yeah. but, but i could i
2: guess i guess the I guess the, the, use for, the use case for that would be like I, we've we've moved a lot to having if we if at all possible just doing a template only component and so this is great but if you need to do something like uh, well, analytics or something like track when this element when this element's rendered on the page or you know when it's i don't know scrolled in view, viewport or something
0: yeah that would work that would that would be a legit like use case for just the generic um, well i think you know yeah, global i think you should to be totally you should totally be able to have
1: a template only components that like basically what i'm saying what i think what i think is and i think others do as well i'm i'm not saying this is the best program model ever i'm just saying it should be possible to literally have no components right where everything is functional modifiers and uh state buckets are like the routes passing things down and you just don't need any other state. And that means that means a lot of things, both for testability and for mental overhead. You don't have to worry about where the state's being stashed because it's like managed by the template itself. Anyways, I'm not proposing that as a, a program model. That's definitely not Octane. But with modifiers like these, that kind of thing's possible.
0: So uh, rendering element modifiers kind of brings us into this next RFC. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's the the one plus RFC number. So it's uh rendering element modifiers is four fifteen. And I think unsurprisingly the Glimmer Components RFC that we're about to talk about is four sixteen. Robert, could you walk us through what this particular RFC means in reference to that, maybe and and kind of just walk us through it. Sure,
1: so the idea here is that glimmer component, glimmer components are a thing we talked about at EmberConf, what two years ago i want to say
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, right. and uh, glimmer js is a framework it's it's uh uses the same underlying uh, rendering engine as ember, but it's made different choices it has different features it doesn't have a router it doesn't have its own object model and stuff like that right and in lots of ways that that sort of work in that framework sort of has been the 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 place where we've experimented and tested and, and tried out a bunch of the things that are going to be in Octane, right? So so we we have Glimmer.js has a thing called uh, at Glimmer slash component, and it has some methods on it and, and whatnot. It is just a normal native class. Very small uh, base class that you extend from, and it has a few methods. Now, this RFC proposes uh, a small iteration for Glimmer Js, but keeping that in sync with Ember and making it so that you can use the same essentially, you can use the same component, source code in either place assuming you don't use emberisms and like if, you you know, you use computer properties or something, obviously that won't work in Glimmer.js. But, you know, for the most part, it'll uh, it'll work across, platform, across both things. I think that's quite important. Also, uh, it changes the component base class. Like the, the proposal here is that this thing becomes the, the main thing you use when you go to make a component. Like the 80 to 90% of the time when you want a component, this is the thing you want, right? And the first thing uh, that you'll notice is that this thing is very tiny. The actual API surface is super, super small uh, for this. And it's just, I think, th- two methods and three properties. And, uh, and that's it, right? I think, and I think it will be a little bit uh, less even by the time we're, we're done. Um, I think the, one of those methods is going to go away. So the, the idea here is the, the properties you get are args, is destroying, is destroyed, constructor uh, is then the method, like the, the obviously the constructor method, and then there'll be a will destroy.
0: Um, as It looks like the writing, constructor receives the owner too, which yep, I'm assuming yep. is quite important.
1: Constructor gets owner, yep, and, and the args pass to it. And the reason it gets owner is so that you can have service injection, like right. you can do okay. like,
0: yeah. uh,
1: you know, well, with decorators would be like so, at service or something like that,
0: right? So I'm I'm not trying to to derail you, but just out of curiosity, if the owner's injected, you'd be doing your own injections manually. Like you would have to do that inside of the constructor if you wanted to set a property. Uh, you would use
1: um, no, you, you would use like the decorators basically at certain. Oh, okay, right, 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 Of course, um, yeah, okay. Th- there's alternatives if you don't want to use decorators, but primarily that's what we expect people probably will end up doing. And uh, some of the other RFCs that we'll talk about uh, are specifically about the decorators. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I just I wanted to mention some things to you. The Ember.component API. Let's talk about that for a second. Ember component had 19 mix-ins. It had twenty-nine event handler methods you could implement, 13 lifecycle hooks, 21 framework functions that get you could call on it, like get set, add observer, remove observer, like all those methods. And the class hierarchy is four levels deep. That's a lot of complex stuff. That's a lot of stuff, right? And that's, um, and oh, and nine element customization properties. That's like tag name, element, class names, class name bindings, attribute binding, like the whole slew of those, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a ton of stuff. And every time you write a component, you got to decide which of those properties and methods and event hooks, lifecycle hooks, et cetera, you're going to use, right? The new thing has, what did I say? Like basically two methods and three properties. That's it. There's no lifecycle hooks other than constructor and destroy, and those are like object model lifecycle hooks. And um, there's no hooks that are explicitly about DOM. There, this is this is why we talked about the element modifier one first yeah. because the whole point of the uh, earlier draft of those w- was one RC, <laughs> where we introduced both those modifiers and this at the same time. But it was mm-hmm, just too much right. to think about in at once. But the point is, if you need the DOM, use that co- nice composable element modifier uh, that we're working on, and right. grab grab your element, do whatever you want. And because one of the fundamentals here is that the base class or the, the the template is outer HTML, which means that the you don't have a wrapping tag. Like Ember component does, like by default it's a div, but you don't have that. Um, whatever's in your template, that's what you're going to see in the DOM. And I think that's, that's good. That's, that's an overall net positive. But the, um, the real thing is that means that now you get rid of all of those sort of bananas APIs. where you got to remember how to do this thing in the JS land different than if it's not the root template a root element. Like you don't need tag name. You don't need class names. You don't need class name. All those things go away. Right. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. So that's, that's one thing. The, the class... Then, like I said, only has a ha- a couple of methods and a handful of properties, and that's it. It's only got one parent class. There's no there's no additional levels of uh, hierarchy.
0: You know what is the what is the uh, parent class? Because the interface you linked just says it inherits from. Yeah, hierarchy. it's it's that- it's glimmer glimmer component basically. Oh, okay. The base
1: class has no, it doesn't extend from anything. I'm saying your components, like oh, we, oh, you would quite extend right. from yeah, glimmer yeah, I But yes. then that is the terminal node. Like glimmer component has no parent class. Yeah that's that's the idea. So uh, another key thing that's quite different from Ember component is whenever you invoke an Ember component as you know like any of the args that you pass to it they are set on this. So it's like if you pa- if you pass first name a last name whatever it's this.first name this.last name right? And in glimmer components it'll be this.args.first name or last name. So now you you actually no longer have your consumers Clobbering your instance properties, right? You you actually have some nice encapsulation there. You can prevent people from like clobbering your click handler or something, right? All that stuff is is quite
0: straightforward. Right. I mean, this makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, feels, like, feels like
1: you're missing something, though, right? I know like, uh, it really does. <laughs> I feel like
0: I feel like my 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 brain is not. Nice. It's like no, it can't be just that. But you're right. There's a whole lot of like templaty things that are. Meant to remove the need for you to go into that JavaScript file Mm -hmm. more, and then the element modifiers means that anytime you want to do DOM stuff, you have two nice, easy hooks to work with. Obviously, uh, window attached functions. um,
2: And well, they they, yeah, you can get them (laughs) from your component. (laughs) I know, I know, know. I know, I know. know. I'm just that was a that was a joke. (laughs) So I mean, it does seem like uh, Glimmer components—they're like a super slim down version of what components used to be. Meaning that because they don't deal at all with the template. They don't, you know, render anything. They don't. I mean, I, you, I, I guess the idea here is, other than if you use something like the um, rendering modifiers, you're never, you're never going to touch the DOM, right?
1: You're not going to touch the DOM from the JS, yeah, correct, yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. It kind of looks like now they're, they, they're they basically the backing
1: the... class. They are the backing class for the template, right? So, if in the template you need things passed in, or you need like uh, some essentially computed properties, you can make a getter on the. On the yeah. your component, right? Like, there's still there's still the place where you it's, you put the logic to figure out what mm-hmm. to put in your template, right?
0: Yeah, it's starting to look a lot more like like you know I I remember back in the day when I saw that orange website for handlebars. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It was like here's an object, pass it to uh, your template, and the the properties will be available in the template, and that's that's it. Sure, that's all you get. So sure. we're kind of going back towards that, but with a much richer syntax in the template land.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think the the idea here is that like it's it's not a step backwards because it, like this enables massively better composability, right? Like you can right, just yeah you can no, imagine yeah. reuse is off the charts and absolutely um, I no. Think, I, I'm
0: saying I'm saying like the the complexity has been moved into more composable areas. Mm-hmm. It seems so now. Like I wasn't trying to say that we're taking a step backwards, going back towards the orange handlebars website, which I think is still their primary website. I think so.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm saying more like it's that was that was simple. It's like here's an object, here's a templating language. They have like you know very defined APIs, and it's like further segmenting it um, to where there's even more distinction in where things go and how mm-hmm. they need to be composed. That makes a lot of sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember the the first time I saw. I think it was uh, Edward Faulkner did a gist where he wrote some like really complex like form. It was like a select box with a couple actions and stuff. And he did it all in the template. And the backing mm-hmm. component had almost mm-hmm. nothing in it. Mm-hmm. Um that was like right when Glimmer was just like, I think it was even before, maybe right when it landed or I'm not sure when. This is a while ago. And uh, this, is, this is like the continuation of that, like even more separation. So you're not even, you're even less tied to the backing component. Right. Yep, exactly. And I think
1: that the the key here is getting access to the element that that's the modifier's job. You can totally just you can totally use the thing and just like invoke a method that you call did insert element and grab the element and just use it locally. That's fine. Right. Like you can totally write that, but you don't have to, right? I think there's there's also another thing to be said for scenarios where you would use the lifecycle hooks to decide what to pull, like what to like to kick things off to eagerly do things. And I think that's probably the going to be the most like uh friction that folks have is where they're used to like ah, I could use did render and do some async thing or go go fetch some value or whatever. Um so, because those hooks are gone. And it's not clear to them what the right way to do it. I think uh the the point is you what you should do is you should you should set your component up to where it's pulled. So where the things that are needed in the template are pulled from uh in the template and that'll that's how you kick off things. And then you don't have to do the like imperative diffing, or figure out what's changed, or do a lot of that gnarly like tracking logic.
0: So with that, let's uh, let's dive into our next RFC, which is around object model decorators. Rob, do you want to walk us through that uh, RFC? That's uh, RFC four hundred eight on 408, the Ember. Yes. Yep. So the idea here is so
1: earlier RFCs that I think we even talked about made it easier to use native classes in Ember. Um, that's great. However, with a native class, there's no obvious way to use a computed property, right? Um, how do you do, at, like today we would say, you know, foo colon Ember.computed and give it a function. Well, You can't do that syntax in native classes. So how do you get uh, that functionality in a class? A long awaited answer is uh, decorators. Um, decorators mm-hmm. have been in various stages of the TC3.9 process for quite a long time. Um, I don't I don't know the exact time, but it's been a really long time. (laughs) Um, time. They are currently in stage two. Ember decorators is a standalone add-on that you can use that did, that provides the ability to use decorators today in Ember apps and has worked. um, It's been around for a long time. Uh, I want to say I created it as soon as I saw the first stage one decorators proposal. So it's been quite a long time as well. It currently supports stage one and stage two decorators and, um, the the one thing um, that this does the idea here of this this RFC is that it brings decorators uh, to be officially supported by Ember instead of being a separate add on that uh, you know that, that I maintain or, or Chris Garrett does a great job maintaining and then now it's like a fundamental part of Ember and the the normal import for computed would continue to work and, and all that stuff I think that's the that's basically the, the gist the idea
0: right. Right, and I, I think I recall the the decorator's add-on, it didn't work with, like, linting libraries when it first released. Is that still the case?
1: Yeah, so uh, ESLint specifically uh, has a policy to not add f- uh, support for any features that are not final. So, right. um, so ESLint's yes. default parser just will error if you hit that. And the Ember decorator's, it- the current add-on... The Ember Deckers add-on basically updates your ESLint RC file to use Babel ESLint, uh, so the parser doesn't no longer errors. On oh, Deckers, okay, right? okay. So that was so the solution to for the parser the yeah. Okay. And I, think, I, I was, I, I was wondering long, because yeah.
0: I think linting is no longer like there's an Ember CLI RC that removes linting from the build pipeline, mm-hmm. and then you do it in the as just like you know, yeah, you just like, right? yeah, yeah, run ESLint from your project. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I know that that's kind of a side note. I I was just thinking about, like, the reason I I remember, like, not using the decorator add-on because uh, it didn't, it, like, blew up my test suite at the time.
1: Yeah, um, I think now, if you just do Ember install Ember decorators, it solves that for you. It adds the right Mm, dependencies to your package JSON. The blueprint does all the work.
0: It's very cool. So, th- this, th- I-, I am looking at the octane tracking issue, though, and this is something mm-hmm. I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. There's something that's a little confused here, or I'm a little confused by, is that this and one other RFC that we'll talk about, uh, it says it's blocked by TC39. What does that mean? So, one of the earliest
1: sections of this RFC is talking about decorator stability. Typically, the TC39 stage process, there's like stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, the staging process is meant to indicate to consumers, to users, what things are stable, what is ready. So, stage three means it's ready for implementation by browser vendors, and it's fairly stable. Still could change, but it's fairly stable. Stage four means basically it's accepted and uh, ready for ready for use. Stage two basically means that it could still change and uh like they expect uh development and change to happen. So the the general uh acceptance here, at least especially in Emberland, is that hey, we shouldn't really propose or, or suggest that people use anything that's not stage three or higher. So either stage three or four or just accepted in the spec. So in this case we really, uh, so so decorators have been up to, like, advance, like we've been hoping for advancement for quite a long time, from stage two to stage three. The various folks on C3.9 have different issues. Um, I think, in general, like, a lot of the, the browser vendors are, like, worried about implementation details and issues, but uh, folks on framework sides, like uh, Angular, uh, us, huh, Ember... Like we're uh, even, and and also TypeScript as a language also um, is very like heavily excited about decorators. So that uh, you know, ho- hopefully that pressure will help help motivate folks to figure out solutions to those implementation problems and move things forward. But um, but as as it stands now, it's a pretty hard sell for a conservative Ember audience to use a stage two feature. Now we might have to do it because I think using native classes. Probably is worth it, but if we do, we would have to mitigate the risk by either guaranteeing our own syntax or some some other thing to to mitigate cost or risk for uh, for Ember users. But hopefully that's not right. the case. Hopefully we don't need to do that. Hopefully TC thirty right. nine moves it to stage three. They have a meeting this coming January. Um, so hopefully that's just a non issue.
0: Right. Right, and it seems like there's a lot of work to be done before that becomes, like, a blocking issue or even a, yep. an issue that really needs yep. to be
1: continued. Yep. And, And, I mean, most of the the actual work here, like, we've been experimenting with this this tech for quite a long time in Ember decorators. There's lots of users of Ember decorators, both for app code and for add-on code. Um, so a good, vibrant community already exists with a thing that exists as a, a separate add-on. This is talking about bringing in the core, making it part of the default Ember experience,
0: like adding it to the guides, that kind of thing, Right. Definitely, definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about this that uh, I'm just now reading through a little bit of while you guys are talking, computed macros, like so combining the computeds together. um, So does this mean that like all the ideas that all the different computed macros that exist, would exist as specific decorators in Ember? Or would this be inside of an add-on?
1: I think the idea is you would import them as you do today, so named exports from what is it, uh, uh, Ember Object Computed, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact import path, but wherever you import them now, so you would uh, we we would basically use tree shaking to drop out the um, the macros that you're not using, which is we're not doing it yet, but that's part of also part of Octane and and the work that we're doing there. The only thing that you would have in addition would be basically a feature, a a detection to see if you're invoking component or or alias or equal or whatever the macro is as a decorator or just as a regular class, like a, like like a sort of classic, uh, ember.object.extend style. So that shouldn't, shouldn't be very large. Like it should be consistent. We will probably reuse all that detection code anyway. So it won't sound like each macro has like fundamentally X cost.
2: All right, so I think this kind of sets us up to talk about tracked properties, which kind of rely on decorators anyway, right?
0: Yep, exactly. And if you go to the Glimmer.js thing right now, you're probably already familiar with tracked properties. How does this differ from from the thing that we've had since EmberConf?
1: Well, the thing, Ember exists in,
0: yeah, the thing that exists in Glimmer.js, the framework, does, obviously
1: has a lot less requirements. Like, there's no alternate object model they have to deal with, right? So in, in Ember... The whole point of this is a tracked property, you can think of it like a decorator. It's not or, I'm sorry, like a computer property. It's not exactly a CP, but it's like that. But instead of using this.set or ember.set to set it, you just assign it just like regular JavaScript assignment style. Also, instead of listing dependent keys that you're going to use in your getter, we just automatically detect them based on the tracked properties that are used inside the getter function. So that's that's how we know when to invalidate, when, when they should be updated, when they be re-rendered. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Now there's no caching built in, uh, other than our normal DOM caching, which is hey, if a if a getter if a value hasn't changed then we don't we don't update the DOM. But the idea is that presumably your getter itself is fast, right? So it's quick, it's easy, it's fast to run it many times. The beautiful thing about decorators in general is that it should totally be possible to have multiple decorators that combine. So you can say at tract, at memo to like memoize if you really cared if it was a really expensive getter operation. Uh, but mo- most of the time, it's not going to matter, right? So the, 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 the wonderful, the wonderful upside of this is, is a thing that Ember users have been asking for a long time, which is, Hey, I don't want to have to duplicate my dependent keys, uh, or, or manually specify my dependent keys. Just can't you figure it out for me? And that's exactly what this does. It also interoperates well with, uh, computed properties themselves. Um, and that's one of, that's another one of the major differences between Glimmer.js and, uh, track and in Ember. And uh, that's because Glimmer.js doesn't have uh, compute properties to deal with. Yeah, so so the idea is you you mark a property as tracked, that property will update. Any property you don't mark as tracked in a Glimmer component will just not update the DOM, even if it's updated, even if you set it with Ember dot set. It's just tracked is the way you're saying this property needs to be tracked for updates, and then we we Im- implement essentially behind the scenes a getter setter so that we track when you assign it.
2: So tracked with no function to me is basically like a computed with one cache key and volatile. Right.
1: Um, so like if you say tracked person name equals value, is that what you mean? Y-
2: yeah. Or, well, or I guess if, even if it was a function, but all you're doing is returning like one thing, like you're just returning something. Basically what I'm saying is like tracked in the, in the examples where you say like first name equals a string. Yeah. It's really just like, if you want, if you set that string later, it's, you, you'd have to kind of, I guess. Now take it's going to
1: re-render. Yeah.
2: Y- yeah. You, there, there's a way that computed wouldn't work. You'd have to have some property it's basing it off of, but it's, mm-hmm. I can, I can see how that's very similar to computed. The tract, when you have multiple properties, you're using in a function, and it's keeping track of which ones you use so that it can kind of um, yeah. cause it to re- recalculate. But that mm-hmm. means you lose all caching, right? Um, uh, yeah, so the, the tract itself has no concept of caching. So right? is there any way um, to get both, though? Is there any way to
1: do like yeah, a computer tract? Yeah, track? that's exactly what I'm saying. So so the idea is, you know, so if you use a computer, tract works with it, too, right? You don't need to manually... Track ah, or computed. Okay. Computed is tracked. Like, computed is going to cause re-renders. Like, that's just what they do today, right? But you can, you can alternate. Instead of using computed properties, you can use tracked and another decorator to give you, like, memoization, like caching, mm-hmm. right? Like, th- the point is, computed does lots of things. Like, it does dependency, invalidation, does the caching bit, it lets you store different cache values from your setter and stuff like that, right? Whereas Tracked is doing the simple one thing, which is, hey, keep track and re- like tell ensure the rendering engine updates when any of my dependent keys change and discover the dependent keys automatically.
0: So I guess that's so, two so things, but that whatever. that's the thing that I'm conf- so so the Track thing seems uh, like like very very familiar from working in a Glimmer app. But auto-tracked is kind of magic. Could you explain away that magic?
1: Yes. So, basically, what's happening is when you mark a property as tracked, so you say at tracked, first name equals Robert. You're setting up a setter and a getter for first name, and... You know, they're just going to return the initial value. That's no big deal that you initialize it to. But anytime they're set, we we have essentially a tag that we invalidate. And we bump the tag version. And it's just comparing versions to see if they're out of date. Now, when you have a tracked property that itself has a, an actual getter that's reading other properties, what we do is before we we call the getter, we set up a, like, what we call a tracker. I forget, I think it's a, yeah, it's a tracker or something like that. Um, Hashtag naming is hard. Yeah, naming is hard, yes. Um, But it's basically (laughs) just tracking every other track property. Like, imagine it's a stack. Every time you get any other track property, it just pushes onto the stack and say, oh, I got this one, I got that one, I get this one. And so now we know when the getter is done, all of the other track properties that you accessed from inside that one.
0: So this right. means that I can do what I've always wanted to do, but I, it wouldn't be explicit. It would be thing dot each dot property dot each. It, it, like you wouldn't actually. It does that's not real valid syntax, but I could I could reach deeply in for objects, and because any getter is going to be like push onto the stack, it would just do the right thing. Is that correct? Y- yes, but I don't think add each as a special value is a thing, right? No, um, I mean, I, obviously I don't mean, well, I don't, that's not, I guess that's not obvious. I, I'm, I'm saying I can do things that are currently impossible with AutoTracked.
1: Yeah, you can. Like, for example, one of the things, for example, is you can't just do regular JavaScript assignment with computed properties. Ooh, sure. If you do, of you course. get an error, yes. right? Yes, yes, You can't just do like this dot foo plus plus or something, right? Um, those kinds of things would just throw errors, right? I don't think that you would reach to a deeply nested thing and, and, it, and it expect that. It would work though, right? Uh, I, yes, I think it's important that it works, but there are cases where invalidation, like if you have the object is a foreign object, like maybe it's a result of a fetch or something uh-huh. and it's not and not in a model, but just a, a foreign object that comes from somewhere else and it didn't itself declare those things as tracked. You Oh, oh you have I see. Because I see, I see. Right? Yeah, okay, like, yeah. those aren't tracked. Right. right. And now so, the, the yeah. RFC does propose like a workaround, a way around. You can manually invalidate Invalidate the property like a parent property by literally just reassigning it. So this stuff foo equals this that foo that invalidates foo. Right now it seems a little weird to look at. And that's not a great we, one. <laughs> we can we can totally. I mean it's it seems like a typo to me. <laughs> but, that, that
0: that that would I think that would like. Well, I mean, you'd make a helper that's
1: like <laughs> the, trigger change yeah, you, or something. Exactly, exactly. I think that that's that's one of the. Main threads, comment threads in the in the RFC right now, folks. Feedback, which is, oh, this is this this particular thing just looks like someone yeah. made a bug or yeah. like, I, I, like, I would I, warn would, you I would and, see say, that and hey, delete this it. Is yeah. yeah, exactly. This yeah. does nothing. What are we doing here? And I think uh, I think it's valid criticism. I think various permutations of this RFC had like a notif- Basically, what you want is just a little helper thing. Notified change. And yeah. you just tell yes. it the thing, and it figures it out. That's fine. Yeah, um, totally. And you can totally just write that yourself instead of doing this, and just do
0: the assignment inside that little function. Right? That's super sure. Yeah, yeah, that would that would actually. I mean, that would alleviate the uh, oh, someone made a typo here. Kind of.
1: Yeah, it's, it gets rid of the whoops but, back there. And yeah. Still, like the the point though is that internally everything is keyed off assignment, and I think that's really important. And I don't want to br- I don't want to change that. If we if we provide a helper utility to avoid a little bit of WTFs when you're reading it, I think that's fine. That's great. But internally, I think it's really important that it's just assignment because it's like just JavaScript. It's normal. It's that's just the way it works.
2: So, like the takeaway is though everything currently the way this RFC is implemented though is if in order to in order to be auto tracked on something you have that itself has to be tracked. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. It, so, so the the uh, interestingly, what that gives us, though, is a way
1: to... So, in Ember today, uh, before the set of RFCs, the suite of RFCs we've been talking about before Octane, in Ember today, it's not really possible to have a thing that you don't care about tracking, right? You can make a computed property, and you can have that computed, not have a dependent key, that you could totally do. But if you just had a ro- regular local property on a component instance, and you uh, use it in a template, you have to set it with this.set or ember.set or you'll get an error. And mm. if you set it with this.set or ember.set, it's going to update, it's going to re-render, right? Mm. You don't have any control uh, or you have very little control over things that force a re-render. And this programming model, this tracked system provides you the ability to say, hey, I, I care about that updating, but not this. Right, and I think that we'll totally have lints where we'll say, "Hey, wait, you're using this in a template, but you didn't track it." Like, because there's going to be totally cases where you do want that, but but conversely, today, like I said, in Ember, you just can't do the opposite thing. You can't not do it, right? So I think it's it provides a capability. Now, maybe it's a rare one, maybe it's one you don't always want, but sometimes you do, right? Like sometimes it's like the time service or something. And you just don't want to re render every second or something, right? Right, and but when you do kind of re render, nice. you want to
2: get the current time.
1: Exactly, but every exactly, yeah. You want the current time, but not not every time or something, yeah. Hmm. Sure, <laughs>
2: the current sense. time, but not every time, but not every time.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Well, that sounds really uh, interesting. I am super interested in the auto track feature. Um, that seems kind of excellent. Um, but this is basically uh, Octane at a high level. These RFCs that we just covered—is yep. that kind of yep. correct?
1: This this set of of RFCs that we've talked about is is really what what. Uh, Makes Octane shine. I mean, there's there's other features. There's things like tree shaking. There's things like broccoli uh, 2 Like you know, documentation and build system stuff. Like there there's there's other things in uh, Octane that we we care. And you can see those if you look at the in Octane it, yeah. tracking issue. But but as far as like new features that uh, that that are plant we're planning to like hit hit into Octane. I think um I think we we've covered that we've run the gam- gam- gamut.
0: I would say review the Octane issue if you're interested in following along in this sort of thing. And the individual
2: RFCs are listed there, but we'll also have them in the show notes. I had one more thing to add. I just realized this as, as we get to the very end of this edition thing, I just realized that that, uh, that issue with all of the Octane uh, edition tickets for mm-hmm. the long for for a long time now is going to be the place to go to stay up to date with what's coming. It, that's a, that's yes. very, very important in Ember. So that kind of mm-hmm. answers Sam's question now, like, In the future, if you really want to just be concerned with like, what's the major step I need to be aware of? Whatever the current edition issue is, is probably the one you want to read first. Yeah, Mm.
1: that makes sense. And and that's talking about uh, implementation, right? I think I think the other side of Sam, like, so it depends. If you want to influence the direction of of an RFC you'll probably still need to go to the RFCs repo, right? Because you're going to need to comment. You're going to have to talk through it. Mm. You're going to have to, like, reason through, like, suggest changes, reason through them. If you're trying to follow what is changing, I think I think following this this tracking issue or the tracking issues for RFCs, in the future, all RFCs will have a tracking issue like this. This particular one's a little bit special because it's sort of even meta over that because it's the, it's the tracking issue for all of Octane, which is many RFCs, like, combined, right? So, but yeah, I, I think that's that's totally right. I think following this is is probably absolutely the, a, a great way to go and for people to just uh, track this one issue and, and watch for updates to it.
2: All right, so that's all we have for this week, not weekend. Um, <laughs> we will be back again at some point in the future, um, now in a much less deterministic way. Uh, So with that, I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Robert Jackson. And we'll see you later.